Welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. On today's show, Russ and Lucas are joined by Colden Gage of the Knights of Degradation Podcast as we sit down to talk about 1994's The Crow. We'll hear a little bit about their show, why they chose this movie, and of course what we love about The Crow. And maybe we even create a new category in the process. The Crow on the Couch Potato Podcast starts right now. In a world without justice, one man was chosen to protect the innocent and to make the wrong things right. It's not a good day to be a bad guy. The film the critics are calling dazzling and fiercely hypnotic. Brandon Lee is sensational. A triumph. Brandon Lee. I love you. The Crow. Rated R. Now playing at theaters everywhere. Welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. I'm Russ, and with me always is Lucas. Lucas, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. I see your face. You're like three feet from me. It's amazing. Yeah, no, uh, I don't know. Are we officially social distancing according to new? No, we're within make-out distance. So. Okay, so we're going to get COVID. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not either. Because I remember how it happened the last time. You really fucked up our schedule by getting that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that I got the pandemic you just careless, careless, careless. All right, well, we are in the uh, the home of the Knights of Degradation podcast. And it's awesome. Yeah, we're with uh, Cole and Gage. How are you fellas doing? Doing really good. Thanks for having us. Gage, you can say something, too, if you want. I don't, um, I don't allow him to speak. <laughs> okay, I didn't know if it was like you. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> and Cole dragged me along, and I was like, yeah, fucking fine, whatever. <laughs> no, this is awesome. It's great to have, like, one guest, but guests that I really like, so. Oh, cool. Um, and, and we talked about this earlier, but we haven't seen each other. You know, we all used to work together. We haven't seen each other in months, so this yeah. is great. It's like a nice little reunion. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I see, I've seen Gage once in passing when I come in there to swap out. Like, my wife goes through screen protectors every 15 minutes. So I see him in passing. I always try to catch him, but he's with somebody. So I saw you when you were coming out of the store the other day, and I missed you just entirely. You were in the parking lot talking to somebody, and when I went, I should go talk to him, and I didn't. Yeah, it's probably yesterday, yeah. maybe. Yeah, we should all roll in there like gangsters together. <laughs> Well, every time I go in, I just get stared at by everybody, and then <laughs> I won't. So handsome. I won't use names, but somebody I was talking to, and then they looked at me and they say, "Hey, I'm getting yelled at for talking to you." So I gotta go. When <laughs> I went in there for the first time after I had left, people were flocking to me like the end of Kindergarten Cop when John <laughs> yeah. Kimball comes back to visit the kids. They all run up to him, give him hugs and stuff. I'm like, come on, we're in a pandemic here. We <laughs> social distance gang, but nice to see everybody. Um, so we're doing the crow today. Yes, we yeah. are. Uh, we let you guys choose this. So why did you choose The Crow? So when you asked us on and said we could pick, I I really thought hard about the movie that first sparked any kind of creativity from me. And, you know, like as you're a kid, sometimes you watch movies and you, you just kind of watch them mm-hmm. for what they are as far as, like, the scenes and the lights and stuff. Right. I, You know, I really thought hard, and The Crow is the first movie that had any sort of effect on me as far as the way that I thought and the way that I acted and, and the way I created. So it's a, just really real important movie to me awesome now, now gage you can chime in too it's just not all about cole uh what <laughs> yeah uh, so i've always liked the crow um when i was younger my dad told me uh the story about how uh, brandon lee died mm-hmm. and um i had never seen the crow before that point and i was like well all right i, w- I want to see you know 
uh, what he what he was in, and I remember watching it the whole way through. And I was telling Cole about this earlier when we watched it. That that sparked probably a generation of like industrial and punk kids. And oh yeah, I, and that's so fucking cool to me. <laughs> or criminals. Yeah, well, you know, in my case, both. <laughs> well, I'll say like. You know, after watching that movie, my entire wardrobe changed, right? So, let you know, and I was a much smaller frame kid. I didn't get like this until I gave up. But Muscly I, as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll call it muscles. Um, <laughs> but I had leather pants, really tight black T-shirts. I actually um, didn't really like long sleeve shirts that much, so I took my mom's pantyhose and cut finger holes in them, and I had them all the way up my arms. And I, I'm, we're talking like four or five years of me dressing like this. Nice. Fingernail. You know, painted my fingernails, painted my face, wore, wore lipstick and stuff. So you were the crow. I was, yeah. You just didn't have a raven companion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you hang out in rafters? <laughs> no, I, well, um, I was on top of my garage once. That's about, <laughs> that's now, about as you, high as I were got. Were you ripping off the crow or sting from wrestling? <laughs> well, so, s- sadly, when I was younger, I was a WWF fan, so not sting, unfortunately. I, don't, I wouldn't say sadly. I was a WWF fan too. Yeah, but as I get older, well, wrestling's a whole nother, <laughs> a whole nother we'll save topic. That for day. Yeah, we'll save that for the Ready to Rumble podcast <laughs> we do like two years from now. But um, yeah, just I love the Crow, and it was like the start of me kind of realizing that there's stories out there that can affect me on a personal level and mm-hmm. sh- kind of change who I am, like on the inside. Yeah. And it's really why I, and that's what I love about storytelling now. So it's kind of the seed of my. Wow. Ooh, we're talking yeah. about Cole's seed now. <laughs> Thanks for saving me with that. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, Lucas, like, uh, Crow, what uh, what kind of memories do you have or what was – how are your feelings on this movie? Um, I remember watching this when I was a kid at the drive-in. So we went to the drive-in to see this. Okay, so I'm not the only person here that's old enough to have seen this in a movie theater. Right. Well, okay. I mean, if you want to call a drive-in a movie theater. it's Hey, you're seeing a, for a movie at – you pay to see a movie outside, inside. It's still I feel paid. really bad for anybody who won't experience uh, a movie in a drive-in. Just saying. Oh, yeah. They're awesome. Yeah, it's too bad. It's a, it's a dying thing. I'm telling you, man. The the one we have uh, in in town is like a church group now. <laughs> it's, so it's, really, it's a bizarre thing. Yeah. It really is. Um, I, I was telling you guys earlier, I don't remember really liking this movie. But watching it today, like, the lines and the the action and, like, the acting is actually not bad <laughs> at all. Yeah. It's actually a really good movie. It does hold up really well. So that's... That's basically it, yeah. All right. Not as... I, I really, like, they come and they brought the heat. And you just brought the temperature down. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know for me, I've seen this in the movie theater. And, like, I really didn't have, like, a huge desire what, to What, when you were 35? Fuck you, dude. Um, Is that enough heat for you? Okay, yeah, now, now the temperature's back up. We're good now. Um, I remember seeing this in the movie theater, and I didn't really have a desire to see it, but then after what happened to Brandon Lee on the set, I was like, well, I was you know, kind of more of the curious, like, maybe I'll see when this happens. But, I mean, it turned out to be, like, really good. And I know when I was doing the research, it's like, this was at a time, like, when comic book movies were starting to get, like, everybody was doing one. This is well before the Marvel stuff was coming out. But, like, Batman had kind of been super popular. Now everybody decided they want to make a comic book movie, and then they started going to shit. Yeah. Because you had, what, Dread. God, what, like, there was a bunch of stuff. There wasn't anything really good after Batman Returns until Spawn. this. Yeah, Spawn. Spawn. Uh, the Phantom. 
Like everybody's doing like the C and D list shit. I forgot about the Phantom. Oh god. Oh yeah, Billy Zane. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it, watching it recently, this is the first time I'd seen it in a while, and it just it still really holds up. It's like the story's fantastic. It just really, it kind of like you were saying, it kind of resonates with you. And I was at that impressionable age too, where like, you know, certain things would just stick with you for a while. Mm. So that's kind of my feelings on it too. I mean, it just it's really good. Holds up really well. Just it's a shame that the legacy is randomly dying on the set more than mm-hmm. the actual movie. And kind of makes you wonder, like, where would Brandon Lee go after this? Yeah, that's what we kind of talked about that, too. Like, where would he be right now if he was still alive? Right. Or what would have happened to the crow? So I know they, halfway through filming the first one, the director had this vision for a universe. Mm-hmm. Like, like, basically, like, what they did as, with you know, Robert Downey Jr. as, like, the head of the Marvel universe, but right. they were going to do that with Brandon Lee with other comics and stuff, too, mm-hmm. and tied around the crow. But then he passed away, and the director just didn't want, you know, again, that's its legacy, and they didn't want to do anything with it after that. Yeah, like, I, I think that he was on his way to becoming, like, a huge star because he was starting to make, like, I know he started out in, like, B-movie stuff because mm. he did a movie called Showdown in Little Tokyo with uh, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> Which I like that movie more because I used to have a huge crush on Tia Carrere. Oh yeah, and it features a dude scene with her in it, so it's like it s- sticks with me for a different reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he did Rapid Fire, which that was like kind of it was like one of those B list movies that gets like a theatrical release. Yeah. But then he became the Crow, and then yeah, I think he would have been a huge star. But it's one of the reasons he got picked. He was the director's first choice, and he wouldn't budge on him at all. But they, the producers wanted, like, an actual rock star, like a musician. And I forget exactly who it was, but, like, it was a well-known musician at the time. And the director said, no, like, this is Brandon Lee, and he's an amazing actor, but he hasn't been discovered yet. And this will be the start of – like, the director knew that, and I think it's true. Yeah. Well, we'll save that for – that's coming up. Okay, I'm sorry. No, I'm getting no, ahead of myself. No, we're good. But, yeah, we'll save that for uh, our uh, – Research corner. I do it okay. every week. Cole. Okay, yeah. Yeah. he has to rein me back in. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I forgot. See. I forgot the structure. I see, it's like <laughs> I'm playing like it's like a basketball team. I'm like the point guard. I'm trying to distribute to everybody. Everybody get their shots. Um, well, real quick before we go into the tail of the tape, uh, Cole and Gage, tell us a little bit about your show. What do you want me to say? You own the show. <laughs> I don't. Well, <laughs> I don't own it. But so the Knights of Degradation podcast was kind of birthed from. A, a desire to get back into the types of things that I was into when I was younger. You know, as you get older, you have to give up a lot just to sort of survive. And it's not like my life was bad or anything, but, you know, I got furloughed during COVID and wasn't doing either of my two jobs. And my wife was working 16 hours a day, so I was just by myself all the time. And I remember sitting there thinking, well, I'm useless. Like, I don't have anything to offer right now. And so I thought about, like, the things that really made me enjoy like my free time and stuff and D&D was a big one board games video games mm-hmm. so it's really just a way to sort of capture that again and get it back into my normal everyday routine so that's that's how the Knights of Degradation got started found three other guys who you know I, I knew but I knew kind of had that same sort of desire mm-hmm. and so now we do a Dungeon and Dragons kind of actual play but we edit it and kind of up the production value to make it more like an audio drama, like something you'd hear on an old radio show, which okay. is really cool. Yeah, I think we do a cool. pretty good job at it. I think I, it's yeah, entertaining. I'm a listener. I follow. Yeah, right on. But, yeah, that's kind of what we're about. Uh, we release an episode usually every other Monday. Uh, the quality is really important to us, so sometimes we'll you know, give it a couple extra weeks to get voiceovers in or get the music just right and stuff like that. Okay. Um, where can we listen to you guys at? 
So uh, pretty much everywhere, anywhere there's podcasts available. There's even places that pop up that I've never even heard of before. So you know, I Apple. Told you about Geo Sovin earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. So we're probably on there too. Um, you know, we ho- we host through Buzzsprout, and they just kind of send it out for us. We don't. I'm not really sure, but okay. yeah, definitely Apple, Spotify, um, Deezer, Stitcher. Do you have any social media? Sites? Yeah. Do you want to? Promote while you're on here. Just keep in mind, we only have like seven or eight people that listen to us. Sorry, so, <laughs> right, so, so two, like one of them's in the room right now. <laughs> okay, two people are in the room. So. Sorry, self promotion is still kind of a weakness of mine. I'm, it just feels weird to me, but yeah, I mean, we're we're on Twitter. Our Twitter's actually getting pretty big, and we're doing a really good job of trying to stay engaged there. Probably our best spot to be with us and talk to us and like learn about us is on our Discord, which mm-hmm. Gage actually made for us and, and does the upkeep on and manages it. You know, we engage with people daily, multiple times a day. We just talk. We, You know, that's, like, sort of the behind-the-scenes, but it's also a way to get involved in the process, too. And they, so the big two. All, all of the news that um, we put out, we usually put on Discord first. Yeah, okay. so we just announced our first sponsor, and Discord knew about it about a month before, you know, we released it to everybody else. Oh, cool. So, Congratulations. Sort of, yeah, thank you very much. Sort of just a way to kind of give them incentive to be in there. And we'll go ahead and shout out your sponsor. Uh, yeah, if you, if you guys yeah, want to. Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, Maybe it'll sponsor us, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're sponsored by uh, Hunt a Killer, which is like a subscription box entertainment company is what they call themselves, and they just send you a box every month, and it's like part of a mystery that you got to unravel over the course of about six months, and just a really good time. Excellent. It's actually really interesting because um, sometime soon, uh, I'm not sure if we decided a date on it yet, but um, we've got a themed week coming, so... Um, every day will be an episode of us going through one of the boxes. So uh, stay tuned for that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, just check us out, and we'll let you know. Yeah, that'll, yeah, be, sometime really in, cool. that'll be sometime in October, around Halloween probably. Cool. Oh, yeah, awesome. very cool. But that's right. Enough about us. We're here to talk to Crow and hang out with you guys. So oh. That's why, that's, that's why we're here. I was having excited. a good time listening to you guys talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, I think more people are going to just listen to you guys talk than to no. Lucas now. <laughs> I'm right. not pretending to be a goblin or a... Hobgoblin with underbite, so that is <laughs> I'm not as so entertaining true. now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll run down the tail of the tape here real quick. Uh, this movie was released on May the 13th, 1994. Stars Brandon Lee, Ernie Hudson, and Michael Wincott. Directed by Alex Proyas, who also did Dark City. You, anybody seen that? No one? No. No one? I don't think I have. I know the cover of it. Because my mom, Cover's I, really cool. I grew up in a video store, so I know the cover of Dark City. Yeah, it's it's a really good movie. Uh, it's that this and the Crow are like his two best movies. He did that Gods of Egypt movie. But oh Jesus! Did he really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hated that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, Gerard Butler, like his movies are my wheelhouse. But like I watched, I was like this movie fucking sucks. I think I turned it off. Jesus um, Christ! Rotten Tomatoes score eighty three percent from critics, ninety percent from audiences. The box office was $94 million on a $23 million budget. And if you want to check this out, you can watch it on HBO Max. That's where we watched it. Yeah. Oh, wow. See, there we go. <laughs> HBO Max, if you're listening, we could use a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know if you have that in there, but it was the number one movie the week it came out. Yeah, it was. It. Uh, this is a time when like uh, the summer movie season really didn't kick off till June. So, yeah. So it wasn't like this. I know it didn't come out as like this independent cult classic. I mean, it came out and made a made an impact right away. It seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Which is really good for a movie that was originally supposed to go straight to uh, videotape. Yeah, 
Well, we're, we're getting into the, the oh, research corner now, Lucas. Sorry, we're getting ahead. Well, Nicole, it's understandable. You're a guest. Lucas has <laughs> done hey, this. He, he tossed me an alley-oop. What, you want me to not <laughs> slam that shit down? But I did forget, though, you've missed quite a few episodes, so your rhythm's not as oh, good. Yeah. Oh, 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 how dare I have fucking COVID in a kid. <laughs> yeah, I know, you son of a bitch. Both of those things are entirely your fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually true. <laughs> All right. Uh, the William Somerset Research Corner... Uh, guys know that's named after a seven. Oh yeah, absolutely. Scene. Yeah, the you've told me that before, and it's never clicked. But seven, another fantastic movie. That's right. I think so too. Lucas, do you want to lead off with what you got? And then sure. I'll... So uh, the director originally wanted to film this movie in black and white. Um, the comic book is completely in black and white. Um, so he wanted to film the movie in black and white, but was turned down for that. Um, and I know I. After talking to you guys, everybody knows this in this room. So uh, ravens were used instead of crows because they're easier to train. Mm. So um, sorry if I stole that from anybody. I fucking okay. wish they called it the raven instead. He literally <laughs> quotes the raven. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I was thinking that too. Like he said that when we watched yeah. it, but yeah, just they were easier to train, and they the specifically they they could not get a crow to fly while it was raining, which right. was a big deal. And then, talking about the Ravens, one Raven was basically trained just to be Brandon Lee's best friend. So the one you see on him or flying around him, that was like his personal Raven that just hung out with him on set. It's right. really cool. Hey, man, want to grab a beer after this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think that's cool. Like, hey, you do a movie and you also have you a pet Raven now. I think it's written in his contract. It's like, you know, we're going to pay you so much money and we're going to give you a Raven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we'll call it a crow. You that sounds like a fucking deal to me. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so there was this movie has been said to be cursed. You know, obviously uh, Brandon Lee uh, passed away on the set of this movie. Um, you want to go into that a little bit? Exactly what um, happened? I'm sure most people that are going to listen to this already know, but for the few that don't, yeah. Um, so the stunt directors, um, it, it's very confusing how they word it online. Essentially, they had fake bullets. Then they replaced them with blanks, and because they replaced when they replaced the fake bullets, one of them got lodged in the chamber. So when the blank bullet went off, it fired off like a projectile that went into Brandon Lee's stomach. Um, the director called cut. He still laid there. Everybody thought he was just pretending, you know, joking. And then uh, one of his co-stars walked up to him and noticed that his pulse was weakening. So he went into surgery for six. hours. He was still alive. He went into surgery for six hours. And they could not revive him, so he passed away. Um, well, I'll add to that, too. So what I heard is they had to, like, they were using the blanks, but they they made them themselves. Mm -hmm. And that was the big issue. They made them themselves out of, out of like, real bullets, I yeah. guess. And yeah, they, they left some like left too much powder, and then something scraped along the inside of the barrel. Or I don't and I don't know enough how guns work, but it, it, it doesn't, like, it's easy to say, oh, it's just a tra tragic accident. But really, I, th I think, just to be honest, and I don't want to, you know, blame anybody, but it was really kind of negligence that happened because everyone was super tired because they were really crunching for this movie. And the scene that it was during was a scene that the director had just decided to do towards the end was not necessary. He just wanted to change up something. And it was, um, you know, when, Br when Brandon Lee walks in and sees what they're doing to Shelley, Tintin throws a knife at him and hits him. Well, the director's like, nah, I think I want him to get shot instead, so let's, let's reshoot that. And then that's the scene he got. Yeah, that was like a big thing in that movie too. Like they were cutting corners left and right to try to get it as cheaply made as possible. That's why they mm. shot most of it in North Carolina. Yeah. Because you got all these tax credits and stuff. Mm. 
So it was just it was kind of negligence, poor work ethic, and just kind of un, just un, it was just unnecessary. It wasn't just mm. a sad tragic accident. It really was negligence that could have been avoided, mm. which kind of makes it worse. Yeah, in my opinion. I was reading that the actor that pulled the trigger like never got over that totally and he quit like he didn't make movies or anything for like years after he, that. he didn't even talk about it until like the 2000s i think 2006 was his first comment about it yeah he, God, i can't even imagine man. yeah well i read that when he passed away the headlines weren't you know he was in 50 plus films and tv shows it's the man that accidentally killed brandon lee yeah oh, that was really? the headlines to mm. him dying like that's fucking horrible yeah mm. especially something that the guy Obviously, didn't mean to kill. Yeah, his I mean, again, you know? definitely not his fault. That's not, like I said, it's the people who do the props and who schedule that stuff. And, and meanwhile, the stunt team's like, "Yeah, getting out of here." <laughs> <laughs> so the, as I was saying, the the set was said to be cursed. So other than Brandon Lee dying, um, Carpenter uh, put a screwdriver through his hand. Um, a stuntman fell through a roof. Um, a disgruntled fired crew member uh, drove his car onto onto a set workshop. <laughs> oh my Jesus. gosh! Um, an injury was caused by a crane hitting live power lines, and a bad storm destroyed large portions of the set. Jesus, that sounds like a fucking like a theme park adventure show. <laughs> That's it, man. That reminds me of like uh, like Poltergeist. I was Twilight gonna say that. Yeah. Shit, yeah. Isn't that well, crazy? Yeah, well, like, I'll just say, like, you know, coming from the theater world, there's shows like that, too. That's just something, you know, when multiple bad things happen, it, you just kind of build that reputation. To be totally honest, that bad stuff happens with almost every production ever. <laughs> so a lot of movies probably have those issues. And I think, again, with Brandon Lee dying, it just shined a light on a lot more of them, too, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, so Obar, who is the uh, writer of the comic, um, donated most of the money they received from the movie to charity. Mm -hmm. uh, the only money he used on himself was to buy his mother a car and himself a surround sound system. <laughs> the rest of it he donated because he felt like it was blood money. Mm. No. Ooh. Well, too, I mean, just, just talking about him a little bit. And, again, I don't want to step on toes or no, anything. No, absolutely. If this Go is ahead. the right time to talk about hey, like right stuff ahead. like that. So he he started writing The Crow because his fiance had died in a, in a car accident, got hit by a drunk driver and right. died. And he was quoted as saying, like, Nothing took that pain away. He did did really hard drugs, drank a lot. Nothing would get rid of that pain, so he started writing The Crow. And then the story of The Crow is because he saw a headline about a couple that was engaged that actually got killed on the street because somebody wanted their $30 engagement ring. So that's where the story comes from. But that's kind of what The Crow is about at a whole, too, is like pain, like getting rid of pain from horrible things happening. So that was his way of dealing with that. Mm -hmm. And then with the money, yeah, he, um, he, he wanted to turn into a movie early on, but he actually turned down offers for more money and instead went with a studio and a production team that would do it in his vision. Because the first time, I think, it wasn't quite doubles, like one and a half times the money, but he wouldn't have any creative control over it. And he didn't like the things they were saying. So he actually took less money to tell the story better, that's, which you always have to respect that, I think. That's what I would do, like, yeah. really, honestly. I know, like, I was reading that since, like, the studio... I forget who actually invested the money, but since like they didn't invest a lot of money, they kind of let Alex Proyas do his thing. So he was able to just like keep like, okay, this is how we're going to do this. Like, there's no studio meddling or anything in it. So that was kind of cool to read about that too. Um, we kind of talked about this before we um, started recording. Uh, Cole, you were talking about this, but they um, they actually had a reboot plan for this. Um, and you were talking about sequels, but there was also mm -hmm. a reboot plan. 
but it's run into a bunch of script problems over the years. Um, and the original director feels like it would be disrespectful to Brandon Lee's legacy, which I kind of agree with. I mean, this is yeah. like, when you think of this movie, you think of Brandon Lee, I mm-hmm. think. So I, mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I don't want to see a reboot of this movie. If, if oh, it was either. another property and, like, he hadn't died or something like that, it'd be a different story. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I agree with that, I think. Did you see who was, like, rumored to be a part of that at one point? No. I heard uh, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper yeah. and Jason Momoa yeah. were rumored. Shit. Oh, yeah, to, I saw Jason Momoa. Yeah. Brad, Bradley Cooper blows my fucking mind. Like He's so good. <laughs> yeah, like, I can... I, I, I would. I think I would be okay with him. Well, that, that was, like, ten years ago, though. Yeah, I think, I think it was this him, might so. be, like, Limitless. Or what's that movie where he takes the pill and he's like... Yeah, Limitless. Yeah. limitless yeah. yeah, like, I might be, like, Limitless Bradley Cooper. There's no fucking way he does it now. He's too big. Yeah. And that's all I've got from my research. All right. Um, I just have a couple real quick. You kind of took a couple that I I had. Um, I just thought these were kind of cool. Uh, the author of the book, James O'Barr, uh, wanted Johnny Depp as Eric Draven at one point. I can really? see that, really. Mm-hmm. Johnny Depp is a musician. Yeah. He is, yeah. Um, Christian Slater and River Phoenix were also considered for this. Damn, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think, didn't River Phoenix die, like, the year this came out? I s- it uh, was, or, no, this would like, because I know he was supposed to be an interview with the vampire. I think that, that came was out in 94. Was that 94? I think Interview the Vampire is 94. So, yeah. Um, that would have been nuts. It would have been. Cameron Diaz was offered to roll the Shelly, but she turned it down. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> um, after Brandon Lee's death, Paramount Pictures was supposed to release this movie, but they decided not to, and then Miramax picked it up. Yeah. And they put, they put like, another $8 million into it so it could get completed. Um, and also to be released in theaters because, yeah. like I said, this was originally straight yeah, to I mean, video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Miramax could, like, uh, with them, too, they, they weren't, like, a huge studio yet. So they, they could, that's something they could gamble on, too. I thought this was kind of a, a funny little fact that Top Dollars Nightclub was an abandoned cement factory in Castle Hayne, North Carolina. <laughs> and it was also used in Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Oh, my God, and really? And it was Shredder's Lair in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> and then the last one I got is uh, Chad Stahelski uh, was Brandon Lee's body double for the scenes that needed to be reshot. He went on to direct the first John Wick. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Well, you, there's two paths you take. Either you direct John Wick or fucking Gods of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny because as we, like, I don't know if it was when you came here, but as I was watching, I was like, man, that, like, Brandon Lee could have been John Wick. Oh, like, just man, watching that stuff. So it's funny that that's, that's an actual connection there. That's actually a very cool possibility. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's yeah, you know, it's hard to think of John Wick as anybody but Keanu, but I think he could have done it. I yeah. think Brandon could have done it. All right. Um, do you gentlemen have anything you want to... Yeah, so I I have the comic, and I, you know, again, just big fan of the story as a whole, but I don't want to be like, like, oh, in the comic this happened, but they um, did... The comic, uh, <laughs> yeah. this happened... Actually. Well, oh. you see. <laughs> so, uh, yeah... There's a couple of things that they changed though, and they they started they did start to change too much to the point where the author actually stopped them and said, "Don't do any more." And then he wrote this ten ten page like description of what the story meant to him and like what it was really about. Mm-hmm. And then the like the new writers for the script read that and it kind of clicked and got them on track. 
But then there's other things that still got taken out. So there were two characters originally in it, one that was taken out before filming and then one that was taken out after. The one that was taken out before was at the request of Brandon Lee, which he, it was just, there wasn't a lot of description, but it was an Asian character who was hunting down Eric Draven, the crow, to steal his power. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brandon Lee said it was very offensive. It was a really offensive Asian stereotype. That he, didn't, that he didn't appreciate, so they took it out. And they did that right away because the director wanted Brandon Lee. From what I read, he was always, like, the number one choice. Mm-hmm. So they just did it to make him happy, which is good. Like, don't have Asian stereotypes in your movies. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> right. The other one they took out after filming. So there's scenes that exist with this character, and my mind's blown. I want to see them. It is a skeleton cowboy. Yeah, that the is skull like, cowboy? Yeah, that's like the, is that the, the mm-hmm. spirit guide for the crow, which I, I can't remember if he's in the comic or not, but... Yeah, when well, I was doing research, he's a character in the comic book. Yeah. He's like a main character in the comic, isn't he? I think, I don't think he's like a main character, but he's like a pretty high supporting. I know he's, I'm pretty sure he's in there towards the beginning, but he's like the spirit guide, and he's originally the one that tells Eric Draven everything that's happening and what he has to do and stuff. Mm-hmm. So after uh, Brandon Lee died, the studios like liked that character, but the writers didn't want it in, and the producers didn't want it in, so they took it out. And then the studios actually didn't like that they took it out, and they're like, well, this makes no sense. And it's kind of why the film starts the way that it does, because it does just, Eric Draven wakes up, goes and paints his face, and then before you know it, he's at Tintin. And there's really no in-between there. Yeah. So they, they cut, like, big chunks of that out. Huh. But I want to know what that character looked like. Yeah. like I really want to know how they filmed those scenes and what the dialogue was like. They replaced them with, um, what's, the, what's the little girl's name? Sarah. Sarah? Mm-hmm. They replaced it with her narration. That wasn't originally in there. Oh, okay. The so. things I would have done to see a fucking shitty 1994 CGI flaming skeleton <laughs> in that movie, I would have done anything. You heard it here, folks. Yeah. I would have, man, if somebody has those those scenes, send them to Cole and I, because I would kill to see them. And then just another thing, too, kind of a credit to the actors, uh, specifically uh, Tintin and T-Bird, but the, all four of the Motor City gang, they decided to like really delve in deep into their characters. Uh-huh. So they went kind of the extra mile as far as their acting goes. So the actor that played Tintin actually spent months uh, practicing with knives, and he took classes on like throwing knives and juggling knives and stuff. Oh, wow. So he was able to do all his own stuff there. That's pretty And cool. then the actor who played T-Bird, uh, like, all, like it said that he almost memorized Paradise Lost because his character is really into Paradise Lost, and that's what he's like reading and stuff in the beginning and mm-hmm. the quoting in the end. Yeah. And it's funny because they cut out almost every other scene yeah. <laughs> in Paradise Lost. <laughs> and that's, I don't know if anyone's read it, but that's a, that's a tough thing to memorize. <laughs> so I just, it's cool to see the actors go that extra mile. And I, I said this to Gage, and I kind of mentioned it earlier. I think it shows. I think everybody in this movie, originally, I was like, oh, Brandon Lee wasn't in this. It'd be terrible, but. I think everybody's a game from well, everybody. See, now knowing that, like when I watched it, I was like, eh, you know, some of this shit is a little over the top. But now actually hearing that, now it makes sense, and they're it's really good acting. Yeah. When uh, you were talking about that, I was looking up the guy that was supposed to play the Skull Cowboy. His name's Michael Berryman. If you've ever seen the cover of The Hills Have Eyes, the the old one, mm-hmm. uh, that's him. Really? Yeah. That's fucking cool. Holy, Holy shit. shit. Yeah. Wow. God, yeah. I want to see those scenes. Like, I need to find those. But I, they probably are not around. I'm kind of surprised they've never done, like, a like an ultimate cut. You know what I mean? Where they include it. I mean, why not? Well, I mean. I, I think, like you said, the legacy 
of Brandon Lee and stuff, just not yeah, one to mess it, with. Would it. it make the movie worse? Well, you were talking earlier Probably. about how they wanted. To <laughs> <laughs> Probably would. You were talking earlier about how they wanted to change that originally shoot the movie in black and white, and with like the Snyder cut and whatnot, how they have like what's it called, Justice is Gray or some shit, mm-hmm. where it's all shot in monochrome. I could probably do it and get away with it. I think it I wouldn't really like change anything about the experience. It'd be cool. Depends too. I don't know how profitable it would be either. I do think like that the generation of people who would appreciate them and this sounds super hipster of me, but I guess but the generation of people who would appreciate that might be long gone, honestly. Or yeah, might not when be you think about interested. comic book movies now, it's like unless it's Marvel. And if they were gonna do something like a big anniversary edition, that would have been <clears throat> a couple of years ago. Uh-huh, yeah. so. well, I remember when Deadpool came out, and someone's like, "Oh my god, it's the like the first R-rated comic book movie." And I was like, "What? Like, no. what? <laughs> There's been a few. <laughs> I will fight you right now." <laughs> but I do have a couple more. I don't want to like bog down hey, with hey, stuff. Hey, but again, this, this is, is one stuff. of my you know one of my favorite movies. So Obar, the author, makes a cameo in the movie after the uh, the pawn shop catches on fire. He's the guy that picks up the TV. And <laughs> and starts, he's like, stealing yeah. shit, isn't he? Yeah. And then we already talked about Brandon Lee, but it was two days left of filming when he died when they added that scene mm. in there. Which was just pathetic. And he was he was supposed to get married right after. Mm-hmm. Was he really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. That's even worse. Yeah, if you see like the credits it's dedicated to Brandon and Eliza. I, I thought that was his mom. That's not his mom. That's his uh that's his fiance. Oh, I didn't know that. His mom's name's Bonnie. The only reason I remember that is like I'm a kind of a Bruce Lee fan, so Yeah. Well I know his mom sued mm-hmm. and they settled yes, out of court, which I mean I don't want to say good that people get sued, but I mean, yeah, it, it's, I mean, I guess if that is, you know, that helps them sleep at night, it kind of lessens the grief, but still that's like, shouldn't have to have come down to that. Mm. Well, then the last thing, and I don't know if you mentioned this earlier or not, but I mean, it spawned several sequels and even a TV show, which the TV show wasn't bad. I think it was Stairway to Heaven or Stairway to Angels or something like that. TV show wasn't terrible. I think they tried to cast someone that looked a lot like Brandon Lee, and that kind of sucked, but... And I, I do like City of Angels, the second movie. I don't think it's anywhere close as good as the first one, but I do like yeah, it. Yeah, like, they would have made an animated series. It would have been. Hit. Yeah, no, like, yeah. I was thinking that too. Like if uh, when uh, HBO they did a Spawn animated series, mm-hmm. and they should have kind of gone that route with this. Oh, that'd be sweet. And that yeah. I mean, the Spawn cartoon was fucking fantastic, and I don't even like like superhero properties and whatnot. So they could have killed it, especially with like the '90s art styles they had. Would have been great. Now, see, I think that's a good avenue. They keep talking about these failed reboots. Why not go that route? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much it's – I don't know who owns the property at this point, but, I mean, you could put that on a streamer, put it like – make it like a 10-episode Netflix or HBO Max mm-hmm. or Hulu series. I mean, fuck Yeah, I'd Netflix wouldn't – I mean, it's like a sneeze to them as far as cost well, yeah, goes. No, like, like, yeah. It would be nothing. <laughs> yeah, like H – or Netflix is just kind of like – I think they make like – 10,000 shows, like, all right, here we go. Some of these are going to hit. Most of them are not. So <laughs> yeah. why not take a chance on the curve? It's just to kind of see what's – and it's because they can. It's not because they have to. Yeah. Like, Netflix could never change. There could be nothing added to Netflix for the next 10 years, and I still would, like, have too, ma- too much shit to, to watch. still would to watch it all. Yeah. <laughs> I think you and I should do a Netflix series. Okay. Fuck. Call them up right now. Like, hey, <laughs> we would like you to shoot behind the scenes of our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> We'll just make it like the text messages where we just bitch about shit. That's all it'll be. <laughs> bitch about our former jobs and all that stuff. Yeah, bitch about the weather, like old men. It's fucking raining. Fuck. It is really hot in here, though. <laughs> just it saying. It's it been way too hot lately. I think it's, it's forever. I think it's you unzipping that sweater a little bit. Yeah, turn up the heat. It's the magnetism. Oh, yeah. Lord. 
<laughs> well, then, of course, Lucas, like, you know, bringing back the heat from earlier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gage, do you have any uh, fun facts you want to add to what we've already thrown onto the fire here? Not really. Um, Good talk, I, Gage. <laughs> I, I really like The Crow. I think that um, all of the cool, um, my favorite parts of movies are, like, behind-the-scenes stuff and, like, productions of movies. What's up? Well, no, we mentioned earlier the, the town is miniatures, which is really cool. Oh, yeah. But you that was really what? big back then. If you watch that, I, I was watching it on uh, my 4K TV, and you can you can tell. You can yeah. tell the miniatures. Well, we talked the fire is squares of a fire image. Mm. It's not, like, actual fires. It's, like, square, like in SimCity when your building catches on fire and it does it in squares yeah <laughs> that's what it looks like you can actually see the square outline yeah. so bad we watched it on the oled downstairs i was like this i'm i'm not proud of this <laughs> yeah like you're talking about doing like an anniversary edition like i'll settle for just a 4k upgrade because like I, you <laughs> yeah. can seriously tell like the miniatures on that which i looked into that there's like no plans to do a 4k upgrade from yeah. what i saw they did the blu-ray and they're like yeah we're done so yeah i think it's just like you know it's the same thing as like why sink the money into it could be something like a just they don't want to do anything with the Lee family anymore either. Like the Lee family might still have some some, leg- it, some yeah. legality where they can't do anything with it or something. Yeah, that could be. I mean, I just I think it's more the fact that it's like it's for like people like me, like kind of grew up like that was our teen years and like it made a difference in your life. You love the movie, you love the movie too. It's just like anybody that's like eighteen or younger, they don't give two shits about it. Yeah, I and like I said, it's like that generation's kind of come and gone. They would appreciate it. Damn kids! Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm old ass man now. So I'm get. I'm already there. I bitch about loud music now. Do you, off the top of your head, know who played Top Dollar? That's Michael Wincott. Mm, okay, because um, he gives me like he could be anybody. Like he looks like a person that you could mistake for anybody. He looked to me like a who played Lestat. Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise. He looked like fucking Tom Cruise. He looked I don't like know James he, Franco. He looked like everybody. I don't know if you guys know who James Remar is. He's an actor. Uh, so I'm trying to think. Have you ever seen The Warriors? He's in that. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, he was the villain in uh, 48 Hours with Eddie Murphy. He's no, been in a bunch of shit, that. but like, I always get them two guys confused. See, and now I'm showing my age. I think he looks kind of like James Woods. And who else did I say earlier? It's so like if James Woods tried to like morph into like Thomas Jane, but got stuck halfway through. That's what he looks like to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you guys want to like recast him later on, we got a category just. For oh, that. okay. Well, sweet. Yeah. So if you want to like, hey, we don't like Michael Wincott. I'd rather see somebody else. Um, just piggybacking off that, just real quick. He does like his voice and the way he looks in this movie. Looks like that he should play vampire movies forever. Yeah, you said he's like he's a fucking vampire. He looks like a fucking vampire. Yeah. He did. Yeah, it's like and one of those things. Where, and shit too. <laughs> yeah. All right, we need uh, some like third and fourth rate vampires. Get me Michael Wincott <laughs> now. By the way, Gay's pointing this out. His swords, the way he organizes them, stupidest way to organize swords ever. The worst. It's like glass tabs, and they're arranged in a circle in a fucking square storage container. Just that's so bad. If you could see Gage's face, he's like turning red. Oh, he was mad. He he almost wanted me to shut off the movie. It's so ridiculous. You turn this shit off right now. (laughs) Fuck this sword. That's the most unrealistic thing about this franchise. He's a hornet's nest, man. He's about to turn his table over. This podcast is about to end. (laughs) Never mind. This guy came back to life and is killing everybody. His sword organization is bullshit. That could happen, but (laughs) nobody's gonna waste that much space. That's true. 
But you can uh, you can bring that up again in Unsolved Mysteries of the Movie. Why did he arrange his swords like that? <laughs> I lose sleep at night over that. All right. Uh, the I Drink Your Milkshake Award for the best scene of the movie. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Uh, Lucas, what is the best scene of the movie to you? Uh, for me, it's the pawn shop scene when uh, Draven goes in there and is looking for the engagement ring. And he's threatening, uh, man, we we had his name in the game we played earlier. Gideon. Gideon, thank you. He's threatening Gideon, and Gideon's like, oh, shit on me, shit on me. I don't get, like, why is that a thing? Like, Yeah, why is he yelling shit on me? Well, doesn't he shoot him, and it heals in that scene? And that's when he starts screaming, yeah, shit, on like, shit on me. Well, like, what would you do if you shot somebody, and then he healed in front of you like fucking Wolverine? I don't know if I would beg <laughs> him to shit not on not me. <laughs> request, so that's for sure. Maybe that's, he thought he'd get his powers from me. He, he, he's, he, he said... Don't kill me after saying don't shit on me three times. <laughs> no, he so, said shit on me. Yeah, he didn't say don't. He said oh, do. He wanted yeah. him to. Well, that same scene has one of my favorite lines from the movie, which is when he goes to get the rings and you can hear him in the background and he says, I hope you stick him in your mouth and you choke on him, you <laughs> son of a bitch. That's just a really awkward, weird insult. Um, so I, I just feel like it shows Draven's rage and just like the length that he'll go to just to avenge their deaths and. Um, also get back pieces to it almost feels like he's broken so by killing the people and getting back the, the engagement rings kind of putting himself back together yeah plus it's a John Polito showcase these <laughs> plays get in yeah and uh, then he fucking puts rings in his, in a shotgun he's like is that gas I smell and blows up the whole fucking pawn shop that so if you're cool. ever in a pinch and you've got a shotgun look <laughs> for rings grab some wedding rings <laughs> right or hit, just hit the local like right aid where they have that Five dollar jewelry. This kind of goes back to the facts, but they were really excited about that scene because of the way they filmed it. They used smoke to like cover a bunch of stuff so that it really looked like the rings were coming out of the gun, hmm. and like it was a practical effect. It wasn't CG or anything. Oh, so they were cool. like really stoked about how cool it, how cool it turned it out. Did turn Still out not really going to well. ignite gasoline. Which what the hell else did he have in there that blew up <laughs> like that? Well, I mean, he was a, a pawn shop guy for like. Pretty much a mafia. Yeah, that's, that's a true. lot of fucking lawnmowers in that place. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gage, what do you have as your favorite scene of the movie? Uh, the scene where he's with uh, what's the what's the cop, cop's name? Albright. Yeah, uh, when he's in his apartment, I just absolutely love the realism of the situation. Um, he tells him like, "Who are you?" And um, Eric says like. You know, he's, he asks him if he's a ghost, and he, like, just tells him, like, who he is and whatnot, and he just, without a second thought, is like, yeah, okay, I totally believe you there. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to sit here in a wife beater in my underwear with my cop hat. <laughs> I just absolutely love that scene, and right before he leaves, he says, uh, right, do you plan on disappearing again? And he goes, well, I thought I'd just use your front door. I love that yeah, scene. I thought that was hilarious. hilarious. Well, yeah, we talked, too. Yeah. Like, that's such a throwaway line, but... Again, just shows you how genius Brandon Lee is that he made it, again, one of the best lines in the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. It's got so much, like, weight to it, and it's just like, yeah, I'll just leave out your front door. <laughs> Cole, what about you? So those are both fantastic scenes, and, like, every scene, I, again, I love this movie. Every scene, well, most scenes are okay, are great, but the T-Bird death scene from the time that he is in the back of T-Bird's car until T-Bird blows up is, ha- like, haunts me. Like, just the stuff T-Bird's saying, and he's not saying anything to him. And that I think that's real impactful, because he sort of played with Tintin, and he kind of played with, uh, who's the other one, Fun Boy. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't play with T-Bar. He 
just drive. That's all he says. Yep. And he gets to the spot, starts taping him, and then T-Bird is it's pointed this out when we watched it, instantly terrified. Again, Tintin wasn't, and the uh, Fun Boy wasn't, but for some reason T-Bird instantly knows exactly that he's going to die. And there's just something so haunting about that. And he's, you know, he says, I knew you, I knew I knew you, but you ain't you. You know, and he just starts screaming, there ain't no coming back. That Even saying it now gives me chills. Mm-hmm. I think when, that's um, such a powerful scene. When Eric is getting all the uh, equipment out of the, ba- out of the trunk, um, he is, like, telling the story about, like, you know, how, what he did to Shelly and, yeah. and, and Eric and whatnot. And you can see the look in his eyes, like, sink when he's, like, recognize him, recognize him for who he is. Mm. It's fucking, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It's such a good scene. Yeah, that's, that. in my opinion, that's, that's, yeah, best scene in the movie. It's like, yes. Wow, that's uh, kind of surprising. Usually, like, we have, like, kind of the similar, uh, at least a couple of us have a similar, like, scene. But uh, for me, it's the... Uh, the flashbacks in the apartment shortly after he gets resurrected from the dead. And you're kind of seeing how much Shelly meant to him. And you can see, like, the loving person that he was. And then you just kind of hear, like, the cures burn start playing, and then he transforms into the crow. I just fucking love it. I love montages anyways. Mm-hmm. Anyway, listen yeah. to the show knows. Everybody like, knows Russ loves a montage. Well, once, montage once it picks up, the music starts to pick up, and then he punches the glass. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, again, it's chills. You see him, like, painting his face, and then, like, starts running on the rooftops. So, like, fuck, like, that's awesome. Like, you just see that, like, shit's about to go down. Mm. I feel bad for everybody that's about to get fucked up by him. <laughs> so yeah. that, that's mine. Um, so, I mean, like, out of the four... Like, uh, you make all great cases, but what is the best scene in the movie? Gentlemen? I mean, let me put it to you like this. This category has always been like, if you were to catch this movie on TV, and you're just flipping through channels, you see this, and, like, you've got some place to be in, like, 30 minutes. And I I don't know if you guys are like me, but, like, I'm waiting on my wife to get ready, or, like, I'm going out with a friend, and I'm watching TV, waiting for them to get done, and I see something. Like, I'll, I'll stick around for this for a couple minutes, but if you see this movie, like, okay, I might be late to this doctor's appointment because this scene's happening, what would that scene be? Out of the four no, weeks. That's, that's a lot, for sure, <laughs> a lot of scenes. Um, I think that if there was a scene, maybe maybe think of it like if there's someone who's never seen The Crow before and I have one scene to show them to get them into it, it's probably the pawn shop scene, to be quite honest. Yeah. Really? I yeah. don't know if it's necessarily the best, but it... I think the the T bar scene's too far. You need to know a little bit more before that. Uh, and I think same with the same with the cop scene. But the the pawn shop one, it's everything. It's it's kind of haunting, but it's also funny. Um, but you you learn a little bit about Eric. You learn a little bit about the world that they're into because he's hunting for the what the Jolly Pirates is what he calls them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think would, that's probably the best out of the four we've talked about. I would agree. It sets the tone for the rest of the movie, and it's so early on that like you 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 can't miss it. Yeah. Plus, like you get Brandon Lee kind of fucking with. Getting a little bit, and like John Polito is always—he's that character actor. You plug him in anything, he's fucking good in anything. Yeah. He's like a slimy pawn shop owner. He plays a detective in The Big Lebowski's and Miller's. Cro- I mean, he's just fucking good in everything. Everybody hams it up that whole scene. Like the last thing he says, Polito's cranked up to like yeah. eleven though. The, the, the whole the, movie. Yeah. yeah. He he says, "Is that gasoline I smell?" <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, man. You know what you're doing. He just yeah I. I think yeah, that's probably the best scene in in that context for sure. Yeah, I can't argue that. I mean, yeah, it, it'd be the movie that'd be the scene that like I would stop. Like, okay, honey, we're not making dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest. Like, if that movie's on period, we're like, yeah, we'll, just we'll be late. 
Yeah. <laughs> we're, wa- we're watching that movie. Yeah, I usually have a pretty strong, like, if I'm watching something on TV and I, it's a movie I like, if it's halfway over, I probably won't watch the rest of the thing because I, I, I like to watch movies from beginning to end. I don't like to jump into the middle. But that is a movie where I probably would. See, I'm like, if it's a movie I've seen hundreds of times, mm-hmm. it's like I can watch, like, a certain scene and I can just flip it off after that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the whole genesis of this category. It's like, oh, if you know, if I gotta watch one scene before I go somewhere or whatever, or if this is the scene, it's like, well, we're not making it. I'm watching the rest of this. So that's that's kind of the genesis of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I can't really argue the pawn shop yeah. scene too. Good choice, Lucas. Hey, I now, won one. Good at this. Do you guys, do you guys ever talk about the worst scene? No, uh, we don't. We oh, don't okay, do that on the show. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Maybe that we'll make that what, a category what, at some point. What do you think? Well, it's, it's not really the worst scene, but there's one line in the movie that always well. Maybe two, but this one irritates me the most, and it's when it's when T Bird's telling Top that Tintin has been killed, and he says someone stabbed him in all of his organs in alphabetical order. How the fuck does he know that they were in alphabetical order? <laughs> right. He's not a coroner. How's he going to hear about that? I don't. Well, I don't understand how you could tell. When he comes up from the dead. He's also he gets like all this medical knowledge. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you know, like hey, if, you know, if you get this and you make it out alive. Get your medical license. Well, I just, I just think that was such an Eric unnecessary Draven, MD. detail. By, the, by that same logic, he could have been like, "Yeah, he stabbed all of his major organs in alphabetical order backwards." Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or in order of the most importance to the human. I don't know. I just don't understand that line at all. So here's one scene that I found kind of weird, though. When we he, may, is this going to be a new category? We can we're make. It, hey, you hey, know we're what? Here, we're, oh we're, my goodness, you guys are doing this better than Lucas and I. We're Chris. We require five percent uh, royalties now. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to let jokes on show. you. We don't, get, we don't get anything. Yeah. Um, the scene where uh, Draven comes in there with all the bosses or all the all the criminals and top dollars telling him, you know, to kill him and stuff, and then Eric just turns into the, the best shot of all time. Like he's a musician. I mean, I know he's back from the dead, but he's like fucking headshotting everybody, and they use the same stock effect the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, when he unlocks the cheat code for unlimited ammo, that's really convenient. <laughs> it's always nice. Yeah, I would say I like the way he fights in it, though. He does fight like a normal person. Yeah, like at one point he throat chops somebody, and it's like the most clumsy looking throat chop ever. It's like like that, <laughs> and that's just like man, that's how I would throat chop somebody. Can, I, can I see that again? It's like <laughs> yeah, like that. Hi, <laughs> fucking y'all. <laughs> Also, this is a trope in a lot of these types of movies that have a lot of, like, crime syndicates and bosses. Who the fuck were all those people at the table? <laughs> right, where did they come from? Uh, who, what significance do they have? There's a guy in a hoodie that's, like, tied around his face. He looks like Kenny from South Park, <laughs> and he just no, it doesn't say anything. He just aims a gun at him, and that's all. But you know, going forward now, anytime I watch this movie, I'm going to think of you killed Kenny, you bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because across from him is like an old farmer-looking dude in overalls. Yeah. <laughs> like and then next to that guy is like a like a yakuza member. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know, you know how like for the Dark Knight Rises, they put out this thing. They're like, "Hey, just show up in villain clothes." That's probably what happened for this. Like, "Hey, just show up <laughs> and we'll put you at this table. We'll give you and a it was fake just, gun and pay a hundred dollars. Yeah. So was this like?" planned in advance because it, it, this is back before cell phones so it's got to be extremely hard to get all these people together like, like three-way calling was extremely expensive back I can't day. imagine though they're like alright you're going to wear a parka you're going to wear a three-piece suit with an eye patch you're going to wear a straw hat and overalls with no undershirt I don't, I don't it's understand it's one of those things it. where like it was just a costume so like listen guys this is all I got left you got to make it work yeah the other weird thing about that scene is no one gives a shit what Top is saying like, he starts yelling. It's like, are we having fun or what? And then a few guys are like, yeah. 
<laughs> it was like, yeah, like, what, what was that, huh? Yeah, it just, it was. Where's the catering table? <laughs> <laughs> it's over there. We've got sandwiches. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do worst scene in the movie. I always, I hate when, like, somebody, like, a kid has a bad parent, and then, like, they have the next scene where, like, they think, that everything is going to be okay by making breakfast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, don't, I hate that. Oh, well, yeah. she got the morphine out of her arm. She, she's got the, like, the good parents. She has neglected her daughter, <laughs> I'm guessing, pretty much her entire life. And now that she's off the drip, like, oh, I'm going to make her scrambled eggs. Everything's going to be fucking hunky-dory. Mm-hmm. It just drives me nuts. Like, no, Mom. We've got tons of shit we gotta dig into. <laughs> well, well, she you gotta made it hunky dory too. She's like, no, 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 don't throw away those eggs. And I fucking hey, hate. Hey, by I the guess way. It, I guess the way it could be like perceived is that you know there's an effort. Yeah, yeah I mean, you gotta I'm start sure somewhere. I think yeah. with that stuff. But like, I don't know. Like, I didn't have the best relationship with my parents growing up. But I oh, definitely shit, wasn't like neglected dive. like yeah. that. But I, I don't know. If I woke up, my mom made me breakfast. I'd just be like, what? Is this poison? What's like, there morphine yeah. in that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you drink morphine in my morphine? <laughs> You need money, don't you, Mom? <laughs> no, 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 my mom. All right, well, thanks, guys. I think uh, you just created a new category, the worst scene of the movie. Yeah, yeah appreciate yeah. that, guys. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to figure out a name for it, too. Worst scene of the movie sponsored by Knights of Degrees. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Let's <laughs> we'll call it that. The only time that won't happen is in the Shawshank Redemption because there's, oh, not, yeah, a good, there's not a bad scene in that movie. Yeah. I um, absolutely agree. <laughs> yeah, that's coming. Shawshank's coming. Um, all right, the King Kong ain't got shit on me award for the best line of the movie. King Kong ain't got shit on me! What do you got, Cole? Ooh, best line of the movie? So, I'm I mean, going to say this because it's... thrown out a couple already. Though. Yeah, I'm trying not to like do repeats, but... Um, can it be like back, uh, like a back and forth a little sure. bit? Or yeah, we. Hey, there's there's no like. There's no rules here. Like so I think the most badass. Safe zone. I think the most badass line in the whole movie is when Skank says that I ain't Skank. That's Skank right there. Skank's dead. And Eric says that's right. I think that's the bad most badass line cool. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely because again, just chills and like he says earlier that they're all already dead. They just don't know it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that line just encompasses everything. Gage, what do you got, buddy? I think the the best line accompanied by the best like action in the movie is um, when he tells. Um, I keep forgetting the cop's fucking name. Just call um, him Ernie Hudson, yeah, or um, Winston if you're a Ghostbusters he, fan. He, he says you shouldn't smoke these; they'll kill you. And later on, when he's with uh, with um, T Bird in the car, the first thing he does when he sees him smoking the cigar is he just grabs it and he throws it on the ground. <laughs> I love that. That's my favorite line, and it's the callback. Yeah. yeah. I just fucking love that. Kind of like, uh, yeah, I never thought like of a, that. It's like a minor awesome. detail yeah. that they throw in there that's just so excellent. They didn't have to do that for us, but they did. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, maybe Brandon did that, like, ad-libbed. He may have. Yeah. Lucas, what do you have? So mine is kind of a, it's kind of a long-winded thing. Um, do you steal mine again? I hope off so. My, off my notes. No, it, uh, it's Sarah saying, a building gets torched and all that's left is ashes. I used to think that was true about everything, families, friends, feelings. But now I know that sometimes if love proves real, two people who are meant to be together, nothing can keep them apart. It's a little, uh, like, sensitive on my part, but, you know, I've gone through a divorce, and I'm with uh, um, Tina, who we talk about on this show, my girlfriend, um, my baby mama now. Um, we have known each other for 21 years, and we were 
we didn't see each other for like 16 and we got back together and it was like we had never been apart, you know? So like this line actually resonated with me. That's awesome. That's really kind of Yeah, deep. Uh, that's fantastic. Beat the shit out of mine. Well, <laughs> yeah, you're stuck. Uh, <laughs> so the cool thing is, like, that line wasn't even originally supposed to be in the movie, too. And that was when they got rid of the, the skeleton skull, cowboy. Skull cowboy. Yeah, skull was. cowboy. Skull cowboy. They yeah, added that, because that was a narration that she did over, and they just added that in. So they might have just been like, fuck, just write something sentimental. <laughs> and it's cool, though, because, yeah, that absolutely resonates, for mm-hmm. sure. Anyone that's found their... What I would call soulmate knows kind of knows exactly what that what that's and like. you just know what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Damn, Lucas, like coming deep with these here lately. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be the sensitive one. It's like, all right, Lucas is the sensitive one, and Russ is the dumb one. <laughs> <laughs> Russ is the angry one. He's yeah, always exactly. mad at Lucas for <laughs> some reason. He hates everything. <laughs> all right, Russ, how you gonna top that? Um, I have from Sarah also. I have people once believed that when someone dies, a crow carries their soul to the land of the dead. But sometimes something so bad happens that causes a terrible sadness is carried with it, and the soul can't rest. Then sometimes, just sometimes, that crow can bring that soul back to wrong or put the wrong things right. That's a good line. Mm. Yeah, I fucking love that line. That's really cool too. Yeah. You know, I'm really proud of us. Nobody said the generic line, but still a very good line. Can't rain all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have sprinkled that in there yeah. a few times, just <laughs> under the like under my breath. <laughs> Salt bay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I was kinda, expecting one of you guys to say it. That's why I didn't. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go with something. That's like almost that. too too classic. I think. Like, I don't think that's the best line in the movie, but it like resonates. with Well, a lot of times stuff. we go with like you know the like the one that like seems to resonate with everybody. It's like, oh, you know, it's the most quoted line of the movie. But well, yeah. I think the the when he kills Tintin and he says, "Victims, aren't we all?" That was the line they pushed in the trailers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was like that's the a really big that one. one also almost made my cut. Yeah. So that one may have to win best line, even if we didn't even bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I personally like the one I went with. I just think that's really cool. It kind of. Gives you kind of a, a backstory on. Yeah, I think it explains really the whole movie. So yeah, it is, yeah, it's a great line for sure. Again, like picking a line that encompasses everything. I think that that would be the one. Well, I've always been a fan of monologues, and I think that um, that yeah, I agree that really does kind of encompass the whole theme of the movie. Hot damn! Give me one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of on the board. I don't know. Again, I don't want to mess with the structure, but that kind of goes into like something I've thought about a lot. So the last few times I've watched it, and it's like whether. Whether it's Eric Draven that actually comes back or whether it's something else. I don't know if that'd be a good time to talk about now or if you have a section. No, later. Wait. go for it. So I just think, like, and this gets kind of weird and sentimental and stuff, but the the whole point, like, the crow is just pain. He's just the essence of pain. Mm-hmm. Anybody that he touches feels that pain. Um, you see that. He, they do it a little bit with the movie with the cat. Like, he picks up the cat and it, like, bites him and gets mad, even though it shows it later on that the cat got along with him well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, the end, you know, he touches him and, Transfers all that pain and stuff over. I've got something for you. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Again, another awesome line, yeah. really, in, in with the context. But also part of what they took out with that cowboy character is he has a line that says, if you help the living, you bleed. And what he means is if you touch or help anybody, you'll inflict pain on them and yourself. And that's – so is the is the crow Eric Draven or did, like, the intense amount of pain and awfulness and anguish that – that event caused like is is the crow coming back is that what that is and it like has eric's memories and feelings and stuff like mm-hmm. that as that's like a deep deeper dive into like the more sentimental stuff to it but it's something i always think about with it 
Yeah. Well, I don't think Eric Draven in life. I mean, he was just a he was just a musician who loved his girlfriend and was going to get married to her. I don't think he, you know, wanted to go around stabbing people with hypodermic needles and yeah. knives and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it could have just been the epitome of rage. It takes a special type of pain and anger to stab somebody in every single one of their major organs. In alphabetical yeah, order. In alphabet- yeah. <laughs> that, take, that takes time because I'm like, A, B, C. Like, I'd have to count. Uh, go through it well, Fuck. Well, and the, that kind of ties. And again, we should have ta- I should have branched this during the facts part, but the face, a lot of people think it's like based off clown or a mime, but it's actually a marionette that the author of the comic saw when he was in London. Mm-hmm. And it was he said it was the most like depressing sad-looking marionette, but it still had this smile painted on his face, and that's kind of what it was. You mm-hmm. know, this fake smile put on the crow's face who's just in anguish all the time and is in pain all the time. Mm-hmm. That makeup took three and a half hours to put on. Yeah, it was like grease paint, right? Yeah. Yep. Fucking serious? Oh. Well, I guess apparently it got to the point where Brandon Lee did it, and then he slept in it to give it that slept-in look. Oh, like really? That's so in. cool. Yeah. Man, God... I wish he wouldn't have passed away. I have a hard time. Selfish to say that. I'm not doubting it, but I I find that hard to believe because I recently watched a movie called Psycho Goreman, and yeah, I I know. That's just a movie you would watch (laughs) just based on the Uh, title. It's called Psycho Goreman, and the special effects for that movie took three hours, and he came in before anybody else but the makeup artist. And that is like Jim Carrey in the Grinch levels of like, like time, and like... Holy shit! That it, it seems like way way more minimalist than I guess it is. Well, I wonder so. if it's just the fact that when I put it on each day, it looks like it's like fresh, like fresh. It's been put on where like you know he's been in the rain. And that makes like, sense. And you know, like I don't see him like okay, I've killed ten ten. Now I've got to go touch this up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, where's a gas station and a Rite Aid? I gotta right. find some. <laughs> I gotta find some. <laughs> touches up. Yeah, they probably spent just as much like on okay what's his makeup going to look like now and stuff as mm-hmm. like as they did on the cinematography and everything that's probably why it took so long and yeah. then again so they had issues of getting stuff to stick to it too which is why they had to use grease paint mm-hmm. so it actually stay on like with sweat and rain and all that you know like watching this and like after i read about that makeup it makes me like wonder if like when heath ledger did the joker like it has that same kind of like he wears this sh- makeup all the time. Yeah, he's that got wasn't the forehead insp- lines. Yeah, it just makes <laughs> yeah. me wonder if that wasn't inspired a little bit by this movie. Could have been. That's funny. We mentioned the scene where he walks in where there's all those bad guys. I was like, man, he's going to do a disappearing pen trick, it feels like. Yeah. like that scene, <laughs> Those two scenes have... It's like, I, I guess yeah. it really does make a lot of sense because the scene at the end of the movie with the church right after um, uh, the cop gets shot, um, he's like half of his makeup is gone. And I, they, they had to do that deliberately. They couldn't have just been like, hey, Br- hey Brandon, just fucking wipe your hand down <laughs> your face. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, it's not coming off? All right, we're going to do a 30-minute pickup basketball game. <laughs> 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 and you're not coming out. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, that's that's really good stuff, though. Uh, so uh, the uh, Crow line, does that win the award? That yeah, your line, yep. yeah. All right, yeah, it was just we went in a really deep conversation there. And yeah, I'm I sorry. Feel like I just, no, it's it's awesome, and I feel like I didn't contribute anything to it. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> um, all right, the Lou Brown Give Him the Heater Award for the best uh, role player, which actually, this is kind of sad, this is the last time we're doing the Lou Brown. Uh, we're renaming this after this episode. Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. We're calling this the McLovin. We're calling it the McLovin. Just because, you know, McLovin in that movie is yeah. just like... He steals the movie. He steals the movie. 
Plus, it's a lot easier to say. It's like, oh, we're just going <laughs> to, sure. all right, who wins the McLovin? Um, so who wins the best role player, bit player? Gage, I'll let you lead off. Shit. Uh, so what do you mean by role well, player? Like, like Brandon Lee, Ernie Hudson, and Michael Wincott, I would say, are like the main three stars. Well, yeah. oh, shit, there goes mine. <laughs> well, you, you know, Michael Wincott, I guess, isn't in the movie that much. But, like, all right, you let's take, I don't know, like, the Dark Knight, Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, or like the, the two leads. It basically would be anybody that's not okay. in the movie a whole lot. So sort of like, like supporting. A supporting. Okay. Player, yeah. It's like the best supporting actor. Okay. Well, I see why you say the McLovin, then the person who kind of comes through and steals the movie. Yeah. Okay. Just, Sorry, I see, wasn't sure. The the guy whose name escapes me who plays Candyman. Um, Tony Todd. Yeah, Tony Todd. Uh, I should know this. I love horror movies. I should know this, but um, I would say him. He doesn't have very many lines in the movie, but the movie that, uh, but the lines that he does have, he fucking executes flawlessly, and it gets the point of his character across without fail. You know, like when I watch this, like I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. I'd never put that that was Tony Todd until I watched it the other night. I fucking knew that from the moment I saw it, but I, I assumed that everybody else did, so I didn't say anything. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I was like, fuck, that's Tony Todd. Is he the one in the Rock? Yeah, he's the one. The one that I don't, I don't listen, listen to, to soft ass, ass shit. <laughs> Damn, I love we're, that line. We're in sync. We're we're back. <laughs> we're yeah. we're here. He he says so little. Like he doesn't say any lines at all. To the point where when we play the board game, you can check that out on our podcast. Um, oh. And please do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cheat plug. Uh, <laughs> I actually but, forgot that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but um, we didn't know his name until we saw it on a card in. The board game. Yeah, that's right. And so he just played his character so well that you didn't even really need to fucking know his character's name to, like, know Grange. who he was. Grange. Grange, yeah. yeah. I never would have known that was his name. Oh, I just called him the Candyman the whole time we played that game. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, I said this before, I do think every single person in this movie is on their A-game. So I don't think you could pick an actor and say, like, well, this one did better than the other. I think everyone did exactly what they were supposed to do to the T, and I think that's why this movie's so great. But one person who does this in almost every movie he's in, and, again, I think he gave the best performance other than, you know, the main characters, is David Patrick Kelly, who played T-Bird. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure, I think so, because, again, as soon as you look at him, you know who he is, what he's about, and I don't, you know, he's not like... um the pawn shop owner where he's like way over the top, which works for the pawn shop owner. He knows exactly what, how his character reacts, what he's supposed to do, the feelings he's supposed to have. I think he definitely, again, he, there's a scene with him and Brandon Lee and the whole time I'm focused on him and what he's doing. So. Yeah. I, I love, uh, I love that dude. He was in uh, the warriors and commando mm-hmm. and watched uh, commando for the first time in I, forever the other day. I think my favorite role of his is in last man standing with Bruce Willis. He plays Doyle. I think. Oh, damn. I, I've seen that movie one time, and yeah. I don't remember anything about it. Oh, it's fantastic, but he just has it's this Walter good... Hill, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Chris uh, Christopher Walken, and yeah, I think I said that, Bruce Willis, but he just plays like this sort of side lackey, but he does. He steals steals the movie, and at the end, he's the one you're like thinking of mm-hmm. and stuff, so yeah, I would definitely yeah, say really him. he's really good, too. Lucas, who'd you have? You want to go ahead and do yours? We don't do yours first very often, so why don't we go okay. ahead and have you I do actually yours? have John Polito as Gideon, the pawn shop owner. Like, he just <laughs> encompasses, like, the slimy. Like, after I seen this, I pictured every pawnbroker as someone like this until, like, Pawn Stars came yeah. out. And they're like, okay, they're actually pretty cool guys. But then they did that. What was that? 
Pond show that was on True TV. Oh yeah, Hardcore Pond. Hardcore yeah. Pond. Then yeah. like, okay, yeah. Unfortunately, there are slimy sure. pawn shop. <laughs> there, there are slimy <laughs> pawn shop brokers, and plus, like, I think he just wins it because he yells shit on me <laughs> three times. <laughs> in fact, when he's begging for his life, I've never heard that in anything. So he gets it for me just for that, and he's he's good in everything. So like, I wouldn't expect anything less from him. Uh, for me, it's uh, Michael Wincott's top dollar. Uh, I just think, like, we talked about it earlier. He could be a fucking vampire or whatever. Like, I thought he was a vampire, honestly, when I, when I started watching this. I'm like, is he going to, like, pull out some fangs and fight back and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. It is but that type of movie. It, it really so is. I'm pretty sure they go that route in the second one. <laughs> Do they? Because <laughs> sort of, yeah, not really, but, yeah. Um, I, I don't really, I can't really put into words. It just, when I was watching it, I just felt like he shined through as somebody who would be somebody who's a mob boss. He just gave me that vibe that he could, you know, control all these scumbags. And, you know, when he kills, um, when he kills, why can't I think of his name again? Your character. Your Gideon. Gideon. When he kills Gideon, it's just so unnecessary, but it's like brutal ruler, you know, just keeping control. He stabs him in the throat, and then he's like, oh, fuck's sake, will you die? And right. like, just the guy's, like, choking on his blood. Like, like, he murders this dude, and then he immediately is inconvenienced by his death and, like, wants to yeah, move that's, on. that's and a scene where, like, the, the main villain just has to show, like, how cold he can be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the other, the flip side of that, too, because he does care about his goons, which I really like. And you see that when, because all, all we'd have to do is give him skank, right? And yeah. then that's it. It's over. And then he can go about his business, find new lackeys and find new goons and stuff. But then that's line. He's like, I just want him. And he's like, you can't have him. And just the way he says that. But it's like possessive. It's like, no, he's mine. You can't you can't kill him. Not because he's a person I care about him, but because he belongs to me. And right. Like he, he definitely more dimensions to that character and that, that performance than I initially thought. Yeah. Well, plus there's that deleted scene where it shows how much he cares about him. They take a... Christmas card picture together. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. they go, I've never seen that. What no. the fuck? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Holy shit, man. That would have been awesome. Yeah, them and the Skull Cowboy. <laughs> Bro, that would have been fucking awesome. They go, they go on a picnic. Yeah, they're all like, they got their arms wrapped around each other. Merry Christmas. It's, it's the, uh, I wanted that picnic. so bad that I manifested it as real. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> all right, so who wins the, the Lou Brown, the last Lou Brown award? Uh, For me, it's... Uh, yeah, pawn shop owner. Gideon? Gideon. I'm never going to fucking remember his name. John Polito is the actor's name. I, I think it's John Polito cause, just because he's so over the top yeah, and he's yeah. memorable. You know, when you think about it, you remember Yeah, him. I mean, for me, he's the one character that I remember outside of Brandon Lee in this movie. Just for what I said, like, shit on me. Like, I've seriously, that <laughs> still baffles me to this day why somebody would beg for their life using that term. <laughs> I, I think I agree, but I think I'm biased because any character that's like that I remember. I think I think the accent, I think everything about him, the over the topness is just fucking iconic. <laughs> yeah. And in, in sure. a movie where like you know, like Brandon Lee, I know he kinda kinda comically fucks with some of the people he's trying to kill, but like for the most part it's fairly subdued and then like he's like, Okay, we've got everybody at like five and then we've got this guy. <laughs> yeah. He's all the way up, so for sure, I would agree with that. Like I said, I don't think there's a single person who who didn't give a great performance. So yeah, like the uh, the next award we do is the Eric Stoltz Award for the performer you would recast. There's nobody I would I would nominate for this. Yeah, I don't think so. I can't think of a single person that like. Well, this person didn't do a good enough job. If we could like update it with actors from now as opposed to actors from then, I still don't think 
I don't think there's a single. I mean, I thought about doing top dollar, but now that you guys don't even know who James Remar is, like I'm not even gonna <laughs> fuck with it. I'm not, that's gonna be like a 40 minute explanation on who he is. Again, we could re- we could cast it with the worst people possible, but again, you said Cameron Diaz didn't do it, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. The only thing would have made it worse if like Rip Taylor was top dollar. God, if she would have passed on Gangs of New York too, she would be awesome. You know, what's, you know what's funny? <laughs> Can't stand her. Is that character's in that movie for like what 25 seconds? What character? Uh, not Sarah, uh, the Shelly. Shelly. She's in it for like 25 seconds, and you already fucking hate Cameron Diaz <laughs> just thinking about it. Well, I think this yeah, is right before. She ruins everything she's in. <laughs> That's not, I thought she was all right in the mask. Well, you're wrong. Want to fight about it? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't. I mean, we could do a whole episode on all the shit I have to say about, <laughs> about Cameron Diaz because she, she ruined Gangs of New York. All right, well, we're going to start a Patreon. It's <laughs> going to be a couch potato, Knights of Degradation joint Patreon where basically we just let Cole loose for an hour where he bitches about people he hates. Yeah. Specifically Cameron Diaz. Every yeah. episode is a different aspect. Cameron, Cameron Diaz, Diaz Rip Taylor. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them. Okay. All right, cool. We, we've got a whole series set up. All right. So, I mean, is there anybody that you guys would recast in this? No, not for me. I think if if I'm, like, stretching, again, it's totally unnecessary, maybe the mom, maybe Darla, to somebody who can – Sort of show the struggle of acknowledge, like give more dimension to that character. I think that's the only character that doesn't have multiple. I don't dimensions. know, man. I grew up around people doing drugs a lot. She kind of plays that pretty well. Yeah. Well, I think she got the role because she makes some mean scrambled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I've got I one. think that was her audition. I know somebody I'd recast. I, I'd, I'd recast the crow as a fucking. Sorry, the raven <laughs> as a crow. <laughs> I was actually. I had to take yeah, I didn't know he was talking about. I didn't know how how loud that was going to be because he huffed up really hard. Um, I hope Adam doesn't wear headphones when he. <laughs> I hope he does. <laughs> he needs to feel that effect. But no, yeah, recast the Ravens as crows. Mm-hmm. That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. Again, he even quotes the Raven. Fucking Raven. And not to keep doting on that scene, but the like it's so hilarious when he says that. And then Gideon's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, well, did you hear me rapping? <laughs> like, he's like, well, how do you not get my reference? I I, I just really like do you, that. Do you Maybe. not know that? Yeah. Because they're fucking ravens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, just because no one else, and plus that's a really good point, uh, yours wins. Yep. <laughs> you were recasting ravens as crows. Yeah. Hell yeah. You I, have a job as an animal wrangler on movie sets later on. Hell yeah. <laughs> See it. Yep. I just fucking wrestle bird to the the ground. Fuck, put it in headlock. Yeah. Sleeper hold. Why are Six one nine a bird. <laughs> oh my dude, like if now like if there's like a bucket list item I I want to add, it's that. I just want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's a fucking toucan. A, actually, it's a stretch a, goal on on our joint Patreon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll just put it up on. No, uh, we're just gonna make that a YouTube like, yeah. YouTube channel. Gage is gonna do a six one nine on a fucking uh, yeah, flamingo at the Columbus Zoo. Putting animals and yeah, we'll call it Barlow gets us canceled. <laughs> putting animals in various wrestling holds. <laughs> but by God, it's a sharpshooter. Uh, here's here's Gage trying to choke slam the what what they call them bonobos or whatever. All of it. Oh, man. All right, uh, the unsolved mysteries of the movie. Join me. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. These are, uh, this is a category where, like, you have a question that didn't seem to get answered in the movie. 
and it kind of drives you nuts. Oh, I, yeah. I have one, but uh, I'll let Ooh, you. Oh, you go first. You haven't gone first uh, yet. What's the deal with Top Dollar and his sister? That's I want to know that dynamic. It. Like, what oh, the fuck's going on? Um, incest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, that's how porn question is. Question answered. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, like, it just, like, I didn't know, if, like, if they've got a sexual relationship and they... It or, sure seems so. Well, I mean, like, you know, what was that, a hooker or... The Probably just a bed, yeah. groupie. I don't know who yeah. you call them that. But. I didn't know if, like, they were, like, on the, okay, you do your thing and I'll do mine or whether it was just, I don't know, it was fucking well, weird. Well, part of me, the whole movie just thought that maybe he was just fucking lying. Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, he's a criminal. Criminals lie, right? So I was just in the back of my mind hoping that, like, Maybe that, that wasn't he's his sister. Just lying. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's just that was a joke or something. Yeah, like for the longest time, I thought it was just like they're like really close. Like you know, how, like some people have friends that they they call family. Like my, you know, this is my brother. All that's your best friend, or whatever. And I thought that was like that for a while, but like I don't know. When I watched it the other day. It was just like uh, you'd be hard pressed to say that when they start making out in the church. Yeah, I'm just I, like, what the <laughs> fuck's going on here? This well, hey, like, if there's a place to make out with your stepsister, <laughs> and it's in porn, it's in a church. Yeah. Well, no, like, I think you're right. And you that or like, did you know, like, say the church? <laughs> well, being honest, like he, there's that line where he's like, "This is this is like she's supposed to be your sister," and he just gets real serious. My father's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> like, how is that better? <laughs> I yeah, don't know. It's not. Yeah, I don't even. I don't know if that's a mystery though, because it's just gross. Because yeah, we're gonna know, alienate I, some well, listeners, I guess, but I guess they, <laughs> well, don't worry, like. The only people listening to the show are our friends anyway, so like, oh, Cole's pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just, I don't know. It just, it, it, why is that in the movie? Like, I didn't know why that had to it be It was really unnecessary. It's, yeah, that, so kind of in a, the same exact instance in Hamlet with Mel Gibson. I don't know if you've seen that or not. I've, yeah. They just add a scene where he open mouth kiss his mom while they're arguing. It's not in Shakespeare didn't write that, <laughs> so they just add it. And I think it's like a Hollywoodish thing to just be more edgy. That's what I think it is. Yeah, it's just like, hey, what's something really edgy we can do to kind of make people uncomfortable? And I think you already got a bunch of stuff in the crow that's making people uncomfortable, so they kind of had to take a step further. That's that's what I think that is. Yeah, it's like you know when still you know, Gideon's like bleeding for is he really gonna take a dump on him? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the more of the question. Well, it's like why is this in the, it's not really necessary. I don't think it really enhances anything. Well, I just want to say so in defense of Gideon and his shit and his shit on me, you've never had like something go wrong and you're just like, well fuck me. Fuck my day. Like <laughs> like you like a woe that's like he's just saying woe is me, but he's saying it in Detroit talk. Yeah. Oh okay yeah <laughs> so, like, anybody listening to the show in Detroit, please like <laughs> let me know if that's like a thing you guys use up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, they, that's why that's why the whole thing takes place in Detroit is they looked up, like, what's the worst city with, like, the most crime and most fires on Halloween, and it's Detroit. So they're like, okay, it's in okay, Detroit. Okay, well, I thought you were getting ready to say, like, the worst city with the worst crime and, like, all oh, Springfield. Like, no, we don't <laughs> we don't want that. No, no, no. But, yeah, they looked up. It's like, what's the shittiest city to live in on Halloween, and it's Detroit, and that's why it's in there. So right, well, I think like just Spring- shit on me is, like, oh, woe is me, but yeah. in Detroit. Like, all right, Springfield's one, Detroit's two. <laughs> Detroit's a bigger city. We'll go to Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine if the crow took place in fucking Springfield? I would not like to. <laughs> yeah. No. No top dollar. Don't burn down shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lucas, do you have any mysteries that – yeah, why didn't CPS take Sarah away from her mom? True. Like, the cops true. all, like, uh, especially uh, the main cop knew that... Um, you talking about Winston Zedmore? Yeah, knew that 
she was with, you know, her mom was like into drugs really heavily because she pretty much told him when, I'm, right at the beginning. I'm willing to bet that Child Protective, protective Services got burned down. And there is no child there's, a good, yeah. well, there's a good I mean, chance. I mean, when when your when your movie takes place in what looks like a fucking Tim Burton set, um, <laughs> you probably you probably have bigger fish to fry. That than what Detroit child protective Detroit that movie really. makes uh, Manhattan and Escape from New York look like Walt Disney World. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they've got Broadway shows at that at least. But. <laughs> well, I think you're right, but that could just be a like an outreach issue where like it's just the, it's like the deep inner city and I've never like lived in those areas but I re you know ch- like protecting children is something I'm really passionate about and there are places where just moms are allowed to do that and like no one reports it and even police officers don't report it because like what are you going to do with the kid and that's like a really common thing or maybe they're like scared to go down there because you know well, yeah, yeah mean, she's tied up with uh, a fun boy who's part of this big gang so who wants to mess with that you know right yeah and I think too like whatever you know resources like are devoted to like keeping some semblance of law and order in that city is i mean i think what happens to kids is probably like at the bottom of the barrel or the bottom of the totem pole and like i didn't mean to make this all depressing well you know what we've been on a roll lately we talked about the death of movie theaters a couple weeks ago and now (laughs) well i mean there's the line that tintin calls gideon a child molester yeah and it's just like Swept in there, right? It's added. Shit, did, did, so there is did. like there is a theme of just not giving a shit about children. Yeah. So there you go. Hopefully, Cole more than me, but did he solve that for you? He did. All right. Good deal. Good job, Scoob. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, Gage. You have any unsolved mysteries for the movie? How the fuck did the pawn shop rings ignite the fucking <laughs> pawn shop? Are they. St- Resident Evil stole that scene. <laughs> they straight up stole, stole that scene, and I think... Which fucking, Resident Evil? Because they do that in, like, all of them, I right? think <laughs> Extinction, where Alice fucking shoves all the quarters in the in a sawed-off. Oh, she yeah. She fucking... They stole that scene. They... 100%. And it isn't better. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and... I mean, even if they did somehow, even if he did get, like, some sort of velocity... They don't make sparks or anything like that. Maybe it fucking hit a piece of metal or something, whatever. But, like, that's putting a lot of faith in, in, in your fucking weapon right there. No, we. Well, I said this when we watched the scene. It's crow magic. <laughs> that's all yeah. it is. There you go. That's how he's able to like stab somebody and know exactly in alphabetical order the, the organs. It's like that's well, that's trick. mine because I. <laughs> well, no, like so we talk in D and D all the time, right? Rule of cool, mm-hmm. where if something's really fucking awesome, we're just gonna make it happen, even if it doesn't make sense. And the idea of him taking the rings and like he even says like each one of these is a life, a life you've helped destroy. The idea of him using those to destroy his life. Because again, he talks about later, like all his life's gone, you know, his livelihood and yeah. stuff. That's just that's just sweet poetic justice. So I, I don't have an explanation to that, but I would rule it cool that absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Worst part about it is that it doesn't kill him. It just fucking bangs his head against a wall. Yeah, but that scene's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it, <is. laughs> it even like slow mos it a little bit too, so you can enjoy it longer. <laughs> yeah, Sonic's like, how do I get my rings to do that? <laughs> yeah, right. Take down Robotnik. Right. Well, they are making a Sonic the Hedgehog too, so I wouldn't be the least bit surprised <laughs> to be able to shot the shot for I'm, Knuckles. Yeah, and I'm very happy about. I love that first Sonic Who? movie, by the way. Who for Knuckles? Oh, Idris, Idris Elba. Elba. Yeah, Idris Elba. Oh, yep. I love Idris Elba. 
So yeah, you're gonna see that in Sonic the Hedgehog too. Like That's somebody's gonna fire awesome. a gun. It's gonna have all those rings there. It's gonna pull a poor man a thing and shoot him. All right. Uh, anybody else got any mysteries that it needs? How the fuck did he know what order he stabbed him in? I don't. <laughs> I, I don't I, get that's it. What I want. That pisses me off so much. Like, how do you know? Are, are you, why would you make that up? Even if you didn't know that, how does that detail help Top Dollar at all with the situation? <laughs> it doesn't. And Top I don't Dollar understand. Goes gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, and can we just point out, like, Top Dollar's reactions to all of them are hilarious. When Skank's going through and describing how T-Bird died, he cuts to him and he's, like, laughing. He's chuckling. <laughs> so, like, yeah, how, how does he know if it's an alphabetical order? And was it really? Because it shows Tintin with the knives in him, and part of me wants to pause it and get, like, you know, a picture of where the organs are <laughs> and look and see if there's some what I, I don't know. You're doing a deep dive. <laughs> some CSI shit where you're like, all right, take the scene and then move it up. And then, like, zoom in. Yeah. I can just imagine Brandon Lee going. <laughs> yeah. Like, that has to take time. He's not just going to know. So he's probably in there for, like, a good 45 minutes at well, least. The, the obvious choice would first be, of course, the heart. But you're doing it major organs, so you got to be like, where's the fucking Appendix. Well, yeah, wouldn't the appendix be first? <laughs> yeah. But where's the appendix? It's your bottom right, right? Yeah, right. So he stabs him in the top left because he says, victims aren't we all, and he comes down with his right hand in the left side of Tintin. Your shoulder is not an organ. It is not, so that's bullshit. <laughs> and plus, like, he gets hit in the top right first, too, so that just blows the alphabet out. R- Russ, they're awfully mad about this. <laughs> it's hey, bullshit. Uh, I'm going to solve this mystery right now. Rule of cool. No, true. I don't think that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I th- what I think is Tintin's trying to... Trying to Post make the fish bigger, like tell a story, but then keep, you know make it grand, like oh, it's an alpha. Fuck that! No, I said Tintin. I meant T Bird, but no, yeah, no, that doesn't fly with me. I seriously, if I were a vigilante and I did that, somebody, I would leave them a note that says, "Please, I stabbed this guy in every major organ. And I did it in alphabetical order." Well, then you'd have something to prove it. Why you fucking take your business yeah. card and give it to him? I would color code it like red, <laughs> <laughs> blue, heart. Well, and so another, I guess another series, like a more on the more serious note one is why, why does he draw crow outlines? With gas? Well, he does it with blood at the beginning. It's almost like a serial killer. I think it's his calling card, card, yeah. But why does he leave one, though? And he doesn't leave one for everybody. I think it's to show them that he's coming for them. It's like, it's to let, like, hey, you know, this isn't just some random thing happening. I think it's like, hey, you guys did this. I'm coming for you, and I'm letting you know that I'm coming for you. Yeah. I'm taking you I can see, I can see, because he doesn't do it for Skank. Well. But Skank's the last one, though. Well, I guess on the inverse, uh, I mean, Top Dollar never actually saw them. Like, they never took a picture of it or anything. So it's all just like, yeah, and there was a big crow in fire there on the, on the wall. And he's like... This takes place in New York? Sure? <laughs> he went to New York for a second. Oh, so there's a big crow in fire. It's a squawk. <laughs> it's, a, it's a squawk. It's a squawk in the park. We can't even bring that up for best line of the movie. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I guess I'll that makes sense. I guess I think about it because in the second one, he doesn't make it happen. They just it just happens that way. Like the building explodes and the rubble lands on the shape of a crow or like pools of blood. So I was just always curious why he did that. But a calling card does make sense because he's a serial killer. Yeah, pretty, yeah, Basically, pretty much. I mean, uh, he's a vigilante. That's what I think. Yeah, same thing. There's a fine line there. (laughs) Yeah, it's very fine. But, yeah, I think he's a vigilante. When you do it for good, you're a vigilante. One last one. And I know that the obvious reason is because murder does not cancel each other out. But, like... Sure it does. Well, right. But, like, (laughs) he fucking took out the... 
the the crime syndicate in Detroit, right? Why are the cops shooting him with machine guns from helicopters after that? <laughs> they should be thanking him, giving him a fucking award, even. I guess from their point of view, it's probably just, like, gang-on-gang violence that they're seeing. Yeah, that, I guess so. And we see the, like, head detectives, a giant douche. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, Well, actually, it's another deleted scene, Gage. It's they do, they reenact the Star Wars. Damn, the really? Scene, they <laughs> give them medals. Yeah. They present with a medal, and, like, everybody's elated. They get a crow the signal there. in the sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they just fly one over, but no one knows if did it's a crow or raven. Did we just Star Wars and Batman <laughs> yeah, together? Yeah, I think we did. <laughs> so, why... Bat Wars. What the... Did they explain this? I don't remember. Did Star they explain <laughs> what the problem was between... The cop and the detective, like why they hate each other so fucking much. Well, they so they were. I I always thought they were competing for the same job, and one got demoted. Um, Ernie Hudson, the other one got it, and then demoted Ernie Ernie Hudson because in the beginning he's a detective, but then a year later he's a beat cop. Yeah. They so they like dem- yeah, he kind of just screwed over. Well, they, I think they make a asshole. reference to that that he got kicked down to being a beat cop for some mm-hmm. reason. They don't. I don't think they go into too much detail, but. Yeah, it's just, it's, there's always, like, it seems like in a lot of movies there's always, like, that asshole detective that's kind of, like, holding back, like, the good cop that's, like, the focus of the movie. So it's yeah. just one of those dynamics they put in everything. It's, honestly, it's, like, a trope of a lot of 90s movies. Mm-hmm. So, again, probably something they just tried to get in there to make things, like, familiar, maybe. I don't know. Is he in the second movie? Is Ernie Hudson in the second movie? No. No, because nope. Ernie Hudson knows that movie sucks. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say it again. I like the second one. There's there is one line in the second one I hate, but we'll save that. Well, maybe we'll come back and talk about how maybe great we'll the second one is. Crow two, on the yeah, Crow two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you do that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that one by myself because yeah. Well, I tell you what, I tried to do uh, an episode by myself. I had a cardboard cut out of Chewbacca. I'll even bring him over so you can do it with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. He doesn't say much. but I'll start talking like, about the movie, and then he'll just get the cardboard cut out, get up and walk he's out. like, well, I've been cardboard for three years, but fuck it, I can't take this anymore. I'm out. I've had eyes for three seconds, and this movie's garbage. He's just, just <laughs> scraping across the ground. <laughs> That'd be such a funny bit. <laughs> All right, the last award is the I'm the King of the World Award for who wins the movie. I'm the King of the World! Who wins? Uh, give me context. Later. Well, basically, like, why, who makes the most, like, what do we say this was? It's like, what's your favorite aspect of the movie? Like, when you think about The Crow, what do you think of? I think uh, about the humor quite a bit. I think the, the grittiness mixed with, like, the the dark humor is my go-to. That's the reason why why I watch that movie. I know there's like messages and, and points and you know and those are great. Those are very big and very important parts of the movie. But when I want a movie where I can just sit down and turn my brain off watching a, a guy with crow magic beat the shit out of like weirdly like 90s like Power Ranger villains. So I fucking I love that. So would you say then the director for the way that he yeah, I would say. That he made the, you know, the way that he directed it and all mm-hmm. that? Yeah, for sure. I would say so. Cole? Man, I don't know. Honestly, just just trying to think of, like, who had the biggest impact. I mean, the, it was the director who got Brandon Lee on board, so part of me wants to give credit to him. But really, I mean, Brandon Lee's kind of the obvious one. We talked earlier about how he'll take these lines that to most people are just throwaway lines. Like, I thought I'd use your front door or... You know, I have something for you. I don't want it anymore. Like, he takes these throwaway lines and makes them fucking magic. Mm-hmm. And then he takes the other lines that might not be funny and then turns them into humor. And it's like, oh, is that gasoline I smell? 
and he's what makes that movie both of what you just said. So that's a movie you can turn your brain off and watch it for the silliness and the, the genre. But then you also, if you're in the mood for a movie that you can really delve into and dissect and try and get some real subtext into, it's that also. Well, and I think a, that's because of Brandon Lee. Well, there's a joke in the movie that is not funny by any regards. Like, it, it, I've heard it a million times to where it's not really that funny anymore, and it's the, the joke about Jesus. Yeah. Um, I've heard that joke a million fucking times, and I heard it from The Crow, and I didn't find it funny when I heard it the first time, really, but it was just something about watching it this time where I was like, that's pretty fucking funny, actually. So, yeah, I, I think I'd agree. It's like the director and Brandon Lee, for sure, absolutely. Mm. So. Which, and this is more of a fact toy. I don't even know if I mentioned that, but the director wanted... Oh, yeah, I did start to say that about the Cinematic Universe stuff. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. repeating myself now because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm out of things to say. Right. Well, we can always cut it out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hi, One Adam. I was like, oh, I'll say the time it is so Adam knows when to cut it. Yeah, producer that's Adam. not going to help at all yeah. either. Um, I, think, I think we're pretty much all going to be in agreement that it's Brandon Lee. Um, this movie is is not the movie that it is without him. You know, because we, we couldn't think of an actor to plug in to replace him. Like, who 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 would you get that you believe that, you know, was a rock star, crow, resurrected superhero murdering the crime syndicate of Detroit? That kind of sounds weird, but, I mean, he makes you believe that he could do it. And, you know, I talk about this every single week. Believability is what you want in your main character. And as you guys said, he delivers lines that may not be as impactful if it's said by anybody else. Yeah. And he makes you believe in him and makes you want to fucking just murder people. Like, typically, we don't want anybody to murder anybody, but, we, you know, they deserve it. They raped his fiance and killed her, you know, after 30 hours of pain. And they threw him out of a fucking window. Mm -hmm. six, six floor window? Yeah, six, six, six story. So, it, you know, it's it's Brandon Lee. And we talked about how sad it is that he, he was killed on the set and what he could have been from this movie. And, you know, he could have been John Wick. You never know. It's almost the exact same situation with Raul Julia, in my opinion, because I think Raul Julia died way too soon. And another phenomenal actor. I think he got a little bit further in his career and did some, like, got more famous. Obviously, he was Gomez Adams. But I think they're similar in their acting styles. I think of them, they're a lot alike. But again, you know, just cut way too soon. And just seeing what he could do when a director, like, believed in him and wanted to just put this entire movie on his shoulders and just saw what he did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that, I went with Brandon Lee, too. I mean, just, uh, he is able to, like, I don't know, it seems like he's able to, you see how loving he is with his fiance, and it's like, you know, he's like the lovesick puppy, and then like how he's torn up, and then like, you know, just he runs the gamut of emotions. He seems to play it all really well. And plus, like, I don't know, it's just, it's sad that like his performance kind of gets overshadowed by what happened to him. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't really think this movie works without him. Like, I know I, we mentioned like you know Johnny Depp was considered, and I, I think that would have been interesting, but I think he would have been too quirky. And then I think River Phoenix might have been able to pull it off. But See, I don't know enough about River. He was, he was a little before my time, and I don't really know River Phoenix movies. The only thing I think he would know him from would be he was Young Indiana Jones in uh, Last Crusade, and he was in Stand by Me too. Yeah, Stand by Me. Okay. 
But yeah, I think he could have pulled it off. But like honestly, though, like I don't think anybody could have done this better than Brandon Lee. Yeah, can you imagine like Johnny Depp running? Like how how he runs his Jack Sparrow like <laughs> on the rooftops like chasing people. Yeah, I know. Come back here, savage. <laughs> yeah. Or if he had like scissors for his hands. You're without a doubt the worst crow I've ever seen, <laughs> but you have heard of me. Oh, that's a raven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't mess with. That's me, a sir. funny bit. This is without a doubt the worst crow I've ever seen. Well, that's yeah. a raven. All right. So we're in agreement. Brandon Lee wins. Yeah, hands, yeah. hands down. Sure. All right. Well, uh, does anyone have anything they want to add before we wrap this up? No, I just won. Thank you for having us come on and let me like talk and share feelings about this movie. Yep. Thank you for right, coming on. Well, right now again, it's not something people know about. Like I can't go to work and talk to people about this movie or just like meet people and talk to them because it's a little more esoteric nowadays. So being able to just share feelings about it, it's really cathartic for me. Mm-hmm. And you guys helped me do that. And I'm really grateful. Yeah. Well, I think the next iTunes review we're gonna get is like, hey, you know, you should just like shit can Lucas and Russ is like cold takeover. I don't think so. <laughs> He brought the, th- the thunder in this one. No, nah, it's going to be, I can tell that guy's fat and Polish. Get him off your show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. Like, we, we won't encourage that kind of review. No, we don't I, don't, like that around I don't, here. don't encourage it, but it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only thing I really have to say about it is, even though we spoiled the fuck out of this movie. If you, you know what? We've been doing this for 33 episodes. We spoil the shit out of movies okay. now, so no big deal. Well, if you haven't seen this movie, definitely owe it to yourself to see it. It's an instant classic. I don't think it can be spoiled. I really don't, because it's not really about, like, from from the beginning, the time he comes back, I mean, he says, he does what he says he's going to do, so I don't think you can spoil this movie. It's, true. it's not a movie that, it's not like a Shyamalan movie where there's a big twist that you can spoil that ruins the build-up and stuff. There's well, no we, real build-up to this movie. We rule that if it's at least 10 years old, you've had ample opportunity to oh, for see sure. it. I'm not good at math, but this movie's at least 10 years yeah, old. Yeah, it's maybe 10 and a half. <laughs> 10, yeah, 10 and a half years old. Yeah, so we go off that role. Like, we spoil it all the time, so. But, yeah, any, I was anyone who hasn't watched it, yes. Like, you can watch it on HBO Max, so. I think it was on Netflix, too. I'm not sure. Well, it's we, not. It's just on HBO Max Just on HBO right Max. Now, yeah. no, I know it was on Netflix for a while, too. But, yeah, HBO Max, you can watch it any time. Um, I just want to close by saying thank you, guys. Um, we... We played a board game that we had no idea what the hell we were doing, but we had so much fun doing it. And Lucas and I cheated to win. Yeah, we che- <laughs> we fucking won. Woo! Yeah, we didn't really win. I feel like we, you we all maybe won. cheated to lose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. <laughs> um, That's what I was trying to do. But um, I just really appreciate you guys coming on and offering some good insight, and it's been it's been a blast. I mean, this is going to be one of our better episodes that we've ever done, and so I really appreciate you guys. Yeah, yeah Lucas is going to tell me, like, dude, just give it up. I'm just going to start doing this show with Cole and Gage now. <laughs> well, I'm leaving. Well, in the same vein, thank you for having us come on. Um, I know, I mean, you. I know it was like a mutual thing where you came on our show and we came on yours, but, like, this has been a very good experience. So, I mean, it's just nice to be in a room of guys that, you know, like movies and like hanging out and, you know, just getting to shoot the shit about a movie that we all like for sub two hours you know so um feel like i could do this quite a bit and i'm mad that i haven't done it before so (laughs) (laughs) well gage you are coming back in a few weeks yes i am because you were one of the only two people to give us a review so you won our contest are are we are we saying what the movie is or we're gonna save it okay but uh it's gonna be spooky all right well hopefully we can come on again too and do uh like I mentioned, doing the Dungeon Dragons movie, I think that'd be really cool. I think be yeah, dude, fun. we'll, we'll have me. you guys back for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, this has been a lot of fun. We like uh, bringing on new people, so yeah, this was a blast. Like I had a 
hell of a good time. Yep, me too. Yeah, so, all right, well, that's going to wrap up this uh, week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. We'll talk at you guys later. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Be sure to come back Monday as we kick off Fan Appreciation Month with Jaws, an episode you guys voted for back in July. We're going to be joined by producer Adam and a very special guest we haven't had on before, so that ought to be fun. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on that one and all new episodes that come out every Monday. So until then, we'll catch you later, everybody.